Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people here impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And today I'm joined by Dan Everett. Dan is the techno optimist and owner of Insightful LLC. And we're going to be talking about creating a better world using data. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Matt. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on today. Um, for those who don't already know you and for those who don't already follow your kind of social pages, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I've been in the data and analytics space for over 25 years, and I've never been more excited to be in the data and analytics space than I am right now. Uh, It's certainly a wonderful time. And, you know, a couple of, I guess it's been about a year ago or so, I kept seeing all this stuff that was really sort of on the negative side of things. And, um, you know, I, I... I started to feel a little down and then I started thinking, well, but there's also lots of good things going on in the world, right? And so I sort of took on that techno optimist moniker and, you know, started trying to post things that were showing how data and analytics and technology were actually making the world a better place too, right? Are there bad things happening? Yes, of course, but there's also good things happening. And I don't think we see enough of that, so... Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's, you know, the main reason why I wanted to kind of bring you on today. Um, get rid of a little bit of the, uh, get rid of, you know, the doom and gloom. Um, but but I think that I think that kind of, you know, apprehensiveness and that cautiousness, you know, it, it is kind of there for a reason. Um, it has been a little bit of a turbulent time for tech with, you know, the rise of generative AI um, and, and obviously, you know, certain shifts in the market, which have caused a little bit of uncertainty. Um, how do you feel about, you know, the current state of enterprise technology and its empower and, and its ability to empower businesses? Yeah, so I think the the explosion, because I'm not going to say rise, because I think it's an explosion of generative AI and, and chat GPT and large language models in particular, was really like throwing water in people's faces and you know, saying, hey, wake up to what's going on here, because we've been using machine learning models in the background for like recommendation engines, right? You're watching Netflix. What do I watch next, right? That's been going on for years and years, right? But now all of a sudden it's really in front of people. And I've been around long enough. So I saw the transition from Microsoft DOS, which was strictly a prompt based you know, how you interact with the computer to Windows, right? So it completely changed how we interacted with the computer, right? And then we had, we went from, again, sort of prompt-based exchange on the internet, right, to web browsers, right, which totally changed how we shared information with one another. And now these large language models are really a way that is, an interface is changing how we interact with machine machine learning algorithms, right? So it's it's a, really this pivotal point, right? And all at all these pivotal points in changes in technology and how we interact with them, um, people people react, right? Because we like to think that we're completely rational beings, but we actually have different systems in the brain that process things differently. 
And one of those systems is all about threat response, right? And so, you know, I think that that's what happened early on with ChatGPT and, oh my God, this is going to take my job and, um, you know, the, the rise of the machines and, and all of that sort of thing. But I think for the people that use large language models or generative AI, you know, what you find is that it's not going to replace you. Like I'm, I'm a writer at heart, right? It's not going to replace me, you know, with, but somebody who knows how to use it well <laughs> will, right? So it's a tool like any other, any other tool that we've developed before and it's understanding how to use a tool. Yeah, and in terms of, you know, really, you know, trying to apply that, um, you know, how, how confident are you really that, you know, this new emerging tech in the data space and the AI space can really, you know, tackle these business issues and tackle these societal issues? Well, I'm, I'm very confident that data and analytics can show us how to make changes in business and in society to create a better world. So all technology innovations have actually, on the whole, been positive, right? I think in the pre-modern world, life expectancy was like 30 years around the world, right? Since the 1900s, and we've had really, you know, these vast improvements in, in healthcare technology. Now, I think the average life expectancy is about around 70 around the world. And there's inequality in that life expectancy, you know, because some regions don't have as good of healthcare, right, as others. But on the whole, right, it, it's made an improvement. And I think that the same thing will be true with this. I mean, one of the big issues that we're facing as a society is around climate change, right? And so there's data and analytics that shows us we could stabilize greenhouse gas levels for 30 years by simply stopping animal agriculture. Now, it's showing us the way, but are you going to get 8 billion people to move to a plant-based diet? Probably not, <laughs> right? So it's not the technology in and of itself, right? It's how we use the technology and whether we're willing to be open to what the data and analytics are telling us. And you, you don't think feel as though right now, you know, people are as open as they could be? Or is it more of like an education issue? Or? Well, I, I think that the biggest... The biggest barrier is actually human cognitive bias. So I, I, I write about this a little bit, not as much as I would like, but I think that the real growing edge for us as a society and a world society and a community is to understand how the brain actually works. So there's actually the you know cognitive, rational, logical part of the brain right? That's its own system, the prefrontal cortex. And there's another one, the limbic system, which is actually a survival mechanism, right? And, and that one, it operates independently of the rational prefrontal cortex system. And that's where cognitive, that's the root of cognitive bias. It's a survival mechanism, right? I, I'm at the watering hole. I see something, you know, orange stripes, tiger flea, right? It's literally sort of that type of processing. 
and um, it may or may not be a tiger, right? But it, you know, if you don't have time to go, well, does it have fur? Does it have claws? You know, otherwise you're going to be you're going to be lunch, and that type of processing still happens today. It just happens in a different context. So, for example, if I go back to the, you know, eating a plant-based diet, we could stabilize greenhouse gas levels for 30 years. To some people, right, that's a that acts as a threat to their autonomy, right? Nobody's going to tell me what I can or can't eat, right? And it's sort of a, a immediate reaction w- without a lot of thought processing around it. Like, okay, well, could I actually eat a plant-based diet or could I just stop eating cows? Cause that would provide 90% of the benefit. Um, so really understanding how the brain works is probably the key to whether we actually are able to use technology to create a better world or not. So it always comes back humans, <laughs> humans are the problem and the solution. Yeah. Yeah. I hope uh, going vegetarian isn't the only solution though. We might be, uh, we might be in trouble. Well, it's not the only solution, right? I mean, they're, they're, I, I use that as an example because people always say, you know, oh, well, there's nothing I can do as an individual. Well, actually, there is. <laughs> yeah, no, yes. Yeah, interesting you say that. So obviously kind of, you know, moving forward and, you know, I might, I might get you to kind of uh, pull the crystal ball out a little bit here. But obviously, you know, where, where do you kind of feel like um, everything is going? How do you kind of feel... You know, do do you feel like the the reactions um, to to these kind of shifts have have been you know good? Um, and where do you kind of kind of see us going uh, in the next few years um, in terms of enterprise technology? I think that the reaction to the shifts have been normal. I mean, what I would expect, and I think going forward, right, we're just at the very early stages, right, of generative AI and figuring out how to use it. So I was at the MIT um, event in Boston, you know, the data quality um, and information quality show, right? And, and how, do, how do we use generative AI and chat GPT in our, in our organizations in a safe and compliant way was a conversation that was all over the place, right? So I think the next couple of years are really going to be, people are going to start understanding one where the use cases are and and opportunities and where the the risks are right i think it's like any other technology right we don't if we don't start with the business problem we're trying to solve and we just say hey i'm gonna implement a data mesh oh that's great well what what business problem are you trying to solve right when you start there right and you work your way back to what's the most applicable technology and there will be opportunities where um, large language models, you know, are the opportunity, right? And, and are the interface for, you know, many things that we already do. Like, I think that ad hoc query and analysis tools will sort of get eaten by large language models, right? They'll be the interface to sort of doing that reporting and analytics. Mm. Yeah, I kind of hear that. Um, I think like obviously you know data analytics is in a really good spot right now as well I think it's only going to get more kind of powerful and I think you know businesses are really opening up to just how well it can really kind of attack those business goals um, and, and help sort of you know connect them to that um, so I definitely think we're we're going in the right direction um, 
I don't want to do too much of the techno optimism. That's your job, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited about the future. I I am I am too. I, you know, I mean, even just if you think about these things are all related, right? So if you think about, I'm a chief procurement officer, right? I'm one of my one of my primary goals is probably going to be sustainable sourcing, right? And so I'm going to have a KPI around carbon footprint, right? And so then, you know, I'm looking at how far away, what's the, how far away are my suppliers from my different, say, manufacturing plants, right? So, you know, the accuracy of the supplier location is a critical metric, right, to um, feed that. Or uh, what percentage of recycled materials are being used in a, you know, something that I'm buying from a supplier, which means I need, you know, a, clean data around the bill of materials for a particular buyer, right? So all of those things, you know, are things that data and analytics enable us to do. And um, so I'm super excited about that and, and making it easier for people, right? Again, kind of going back to, I don't have to learn how to, I don't have to know how to use a query language, right? I don't have to know how to use SQL to get the information that I need to make decisions to, you know, create more sustainable sourcing in my organization. Really well said, Dan. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to kind of join us today on the EM360 podcast. Um, where can people go to learn more about you? Well, thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, people can go to my website, insightfulresearch.com. Uh, but really the best way is just to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me on LinkedIn. That's really the, the social uh, channel that I'm most active on. Yeah, exactly that. And we'll be putting all of the links to everything that Dan just mentioned in the podcast description below. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. But until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com. <laughs>